Live from the Talking Joe studios, it's Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Hey, 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 it's me, Chiefy Two Shoes, joined by my buddy, Diagnostic 80, Chris McLeod from the Four Force Podcast, and this one. How's it, how's it going, my man? It is going very well, my friend, very well, because the alternative is it's not going well. That's true. Yeah, so yeah. I choose, I choose uh, the former. Good. What have you been up to? Sames, really, just lots of Same work. old boring Same life, old just, just working. Working editing. away and editing at things and... I don't know. It's just it's a dog's life. Yes. I have just received a shipment of as a shipment of <laughs> comics from the bookbinder. Well, books from the bookbindery. So they have arrived finally. Uh, I've been talking about it for a long time. I will post some images up. I got ten Batman binds. Now this wow. is uh, effectively what I'm doing is I'm taking comics and putting them into my own reading order of choice. You know, you get your trades, your graphic novels, and you know they're. Effectively, the company, your Marvel, your DC image, whoever it is, is is choosing what to package in that volume you're buying. So here, you can play around with the the issues a little bit if they sit better in a certain order. And there's there's quite a large you know community out there, forums of people who do comic binding maps. They're called, and you know, and you'll say, I want to do a you know a Batman from this year to this year. Can you map it out for me? And they'll they'll list all the detective Batman, slip in a few Nightwings, some Catwomans, Robins, whatever. And they'll uh, some some people even go to the point of cutting up individual issues and saying, right, put through the first three pages of oh. Batman six hundred, then the next four page, then four pages of Detective, wow. then put in the next four pages of Batman. So they're into splicing issues. So all I do is. I actually take a scalpel to the issues. I cut out any double-page ads because they're not necessary. I cut off the back cover unless it's a gatefold splash cover. And then, yeah, send them all off. And I got back 10 volumes of Batman, which now gives me a full run of 24 volumes from Nightfall, which was 1992, where Bane broke Batman's back. Nice. Well, perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. All the way up to just prior to or where it ended and then the new 52 started because i didn't really collect it after that batman so i got a full i think it was 2011 so i got about a 18 year stretch of batman comics um spread over 24 volumes and then of course i did get the i got the two volumes of uh, gi joe real american hero one of them collects 201 to 225 and the next one is 226 to 250 so i will need to dig into those at some point and then i got eight volume set of the idw continuity when they relaunched the book not the real american hero but with their own continuity Mm. and eight volumes of that blimey which is pretty much everything they covered uh there is however some errors with that because they have bound it in the wrong color cover uh and there's a few other little niggles so i sent off a stern email (laughs) to the book bindery uh in leeds and just uh for my displeasure but um yeah, other than that, and there was a few other pieces I got done, but other than that, some Transformers, IDW Transformers stuff. So now I've also I've got a complete nine-volume set of from when More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise, when those series relaunched, I've got a full nine volume all the way up to the end of Lost Light, etc. I've got nine mm. volumes worth of Transformers, so I need to dig into those. They're great. Yeah, so um, if you had more time, we could do a... Uh, uh, Transformers uh, IDW read-along podcast, but I don't have the time, you don't have the time, so uh, anyway. 
yeah, that's it. That's it for me. What I do have, though, I do have a beverage for the show. Beverage for the show. Do, 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 do. Beverage for the show. Do, 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 do. Now I am gonna go do, do, and drink my beverage for the show. Now then. Now then. Last week, the eagle-eyed... No, not the eagle-eyed at all. The hawk-eared listeners... <laughs> no, I don't know. What's got good ears? don't know. That'll do. Wait a minute. Marshall Bravestar. Yeah, I was thinking Strength Bravestar. Strength for the bear, eyes of the wolf. No. No, it's... it's, it's ears of the wolf. Ears of the wolf. Ears of the, ears yeah. the wolf. Yeah, because it's eyes, eyes of the hawk, isn't it? Yeah. Eyes of the hawk. Yeah, so... Basically. Ears of the wolf, Bravestar. <laughs> okay, so... I like uh, strength of a bear, speed of a or thirty thirty. Who's the horse dude? 30-30. Mad dog twenty twenty. That was a drink you used to drink when you were like sixteen, getting smashed. But anyway, um, the uh, hawk eared, no, the wolf eared listeners out there will remember from last episode. Uh, I believe Mr. Chris Sims, Simo. Uh, his beverage for the show was a uh, kombucha. Oh, right. Was it was a kombucha. Yes, it was. Kombucha. You're thinking of Chad. I am. I am. So uh, he had a kombucha, and I was very confused by the whole kombucha thing. I'd never heard of it. And you were aware of it, obviously. Is it an American thing? Not sure. But anyway. Basically, I, I think, yeah. Okay. I was out in uh, the local supermarket, which will remain nameless, Sainsbury's, and I saw on the shelf bootleg Sainos. sorry boot bootleg booch ginger alcoholic kombucha wow 3.5 percent uh, alcohol by volume it's an organic easy batch brewed bootleg booch so i thought wait a minute I- i'm gonna sample my first ever kombucha here uh so i've got it here in front of me uh i don't know what it's supposed to taste like Bum it holes. says ginger is it going to be sparkling or still? I've got no idea, uh, but I've already got it open. And let's have a little glug on this one. Holy mackerel. Yeah. That could be the most disgusting thing Thank you. I have ever drunk. What the heck? What is this thing? It's awful, isn't it? It's like I've just drank liquid flavour of wet dog hair. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm I'm kind of like, I feel justified right now that I'm not the only person that seems to kind of really despise it. I've got a taste in my mouth. Now, I had a separate beverage for the show ready, and then I saw this kombucha and I thought, right, well, that's superseding this, and I'll save that one for next week. But now I'm actually going to open my second one just to wash the taste out of this. This is a uh, Munzbit apple, pear, and ginger oat smoothie from Ikea. Blimey. So I'm just going to down this just to get that. that com- oh my God, that's so... It's attended in an ASMR <sighs> podcast. That's done, right. That. Oh, that was nice. That was, oh, that was well good. Apple pear and ginger oat smoothie, Munzbit from Ikea. Go buy one. Do not buy kombucha. What have you got? Well, um, I've got a kombucha. No, I haven't got kombucha. <laughs> I have a strawberry natural flavoured Zevia, a zero calorie soda with no sugar, no artificial sweeteners. And, and it's no ca- taste. And it's ca- caffeine free. So I'm going to see, I'm going to give this a vibe. And, yeah, and, it, and guess what? It. I haven't opened it either. So you get to hear this. Oh, that's a beautiful Boom. sound, isn't it? That's a win. Right. It's a... Well, it smells very yummy. It smells very strawberry. Uh, let, let's give this a taste. 
yeah, it's nice. It's a bit, you know, it's like, it's got that aftertaste, that kind of almost very diet Coke aftertaste um, to it. Obviously, it doesn't taste like Coke, but it's a kind of fizzy strawberry kind of sodary drink, as you'd expect in, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I have, a Zevia. Excellent. Good work. Good work. We've established that you've got a nice drink. I had a horrible one. Now I've got a nice drink, although I've downed it. So we're in good spirits. That can only mean one thing. Well, before we do that, I don't understand why people like kombucha at all. I don't know why my wife likes it so much. That should be the inside chief's mind this week. Goddamn kombucha. But it's not, because we are going inside chief's mind. Ah, kombucha! (laughs) People. One day I'm going to stop just there, and that's it. One of these days. I'm going to carry on. People, and I'm specifically targeting the sports punditry slash commentators of the world for their use of the word unbelievable. Now, this... It's unbelievable, Jeff! There you go. This first came to light kind of as a thing in the UK. Uh, Sports... Uh, Soccer Saturday in the UK on a Saturday afternoon. We won't go into full details, but uh, one of the presenters, Chris the host, Jeff, Jeff Stelling was the host. He would go over to reporters who were at all the football grounds around and he'd ask for updates on the games because you weren't allowed to show pictures of 3pm Premier League games uh, until later in the day, some rights issues. So basically they'd go to the reporters and they'd each give a verbal report because they're live at the game watching it. And the first thing that Chris Kamara, like you mentioned, would say is, Unbelievable, Jeff. It's unbelievable, Jeff. And it wouldn't and be that unbelievable. On, it would never be Then he'd be go on to say, oh, what an unbelievable goal or an unbelievable header. And this is now quite commonplace in all sports. You know, you get it in American sports quite often when I'm watching NFL. You know, uh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. has made an unbelievable catch on the sideline, one hand falling out of bounds or, you know. And what I'm thinking is, stop saying it because it's not unbelievable because it happened. You watched it with your own eyes. Oh, Odell Beckham's made an unbelievable catch. I don't believe he made that catch. But he did. Because it's fact. It happened. So you're saying you don't believe in fact. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable, Chief. It, well, stop using it. It's not unbelievable. It happened. If it's, what they should say is he's made a very low probability catch there. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, use that term throughout this entire episode now, I think, when describing everything that I read. Excellent. Excellent. So there you go. There you go. Stop using unbelievable sports people. Yeah, you d- You're unbelievable. I want to talk about some comics. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer writes them cheap and Chris discuss them. Whoa. Comic talk. Oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer writes them sheep and Chris discuss them whoa. This week we are going to be talking G.I. Joe Real American Hero 101-102-103. Now, kind of reading ahead, 101 to up to 106 kind of caps off a few story arcs and they all kind of close off, which is a nice end point. We, we don't want to cover six issues on one episode, it's going to get bogged down in uh in lengthy oh, no, episodes that would, be, so, that would be unbelievable jeff it's yeah, unbelievable that would, jeff that would be something for the l- listeners out there how long before chief gets <laughs> off with chris using unbelievable <laughs> it's already <laughs> happened it's, oh, no. <laughs> i'll let you off because i like you but if oh. i don't like you stop using it 
Um, so anyway, we're going to split it up. We're going to do 101 to 103 this week. We're going to do 104 to 106 next week. And then at the end of that episode, we'll rank this arc as a six issue arc but we're just going to split up the discussion into two parts simple yeah so 101 let's look at the covers 101 here we've got the october guard in there i think this is called the bmp is it <laughs> the british national british no. nationalist B- party m- 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 <laughs> m- m- p- B- m- p- the bmp they're coming towards us uh, featuring the octo the new october guard because mm. of course the last time we saw them all their members were gunned down except for two this is uh, Ron Wagner on the cover. What do you think of this? It's okay. It's nice. It's um, you know, you, you, I, I do find with this one that they're very. He's very careful in kind of keeping Misha and Gorky in the background before you really get introduced to them. So yep. it's almost very much a oh, who are these two new ones? Yep. And that top left is that new where the Marvel Comics logo, mm. and then you've got a Cobra Commander kind of in the box. I know they used to do that with some superhero comics you know captain america or thor or whatever but is this new i can't even remember what 100 or anything it had in uh, fact i've got the issues right in front of me let's just have a look yeah uh, have a look at 100 but i um i don't I, it might have been when he came back and because uh, Cobra no, one, back. 100 just kind of had a generic grunt style figure 102 a has a cute one though as well with snake eyes and uh and hawk on it yeah let's have a look at 102 then yeah that's a nice one snake eyes and hawk and then here you've got you know, the October Guard rushing towards us in a firefight. This is Ron Wagner again. And now you've got Gorky front and centre, but Misha's still in the background, like, you know. You, yep. <laughs> you, yep. you know about him now. And then you get yeah, another one. You get another Cobra Commander on the next one as well. On 103, and this is Storm Shadow in his urban camo stuff, busting through Love uh, some glass. You don't At this point, you don't know where he's going, what he's doing, but... Uh, this, that's a great cover, and this is uh, Ron Wagner again. Yeah, another beauty, and I just love it because it's Storm Shadow in that deco. Very cool. Yeah, uh, script in all these, obviously, Larry Harmer. Uh, Mark Bright is penciling all these. I think Randy Emblin is now his preferred inker of choice, so he inks all these. We've got Rick Parker on letters, and we've got editor Bobby Chase. Just quickly, I want to just quickly do jump forward to 102. Uh, because just on the first page, I really like that bit where in the bottom left where you have the credits box, instead of saying scripter Larry Harmer, pencilers Mark Bright, it says Larry Harmer, squad leader. Yeah. Mark Bright, cannoneer. Randy Emblin, forward observer. Brilliant. Rick Parker, point man. Bob Shireen, colour bearer. Bobby Chase, platoon leader. And the editor at the time, Tom DeFalco, top gun. Brilliant. But yes, cool. So we've kind of, across these, the six issues we're going to cover and the three on this particular pod, We've got three separate storylines. So we've got the October Guard one, which is kind of front and centre. And this is the Joes are, as they have been in many issues recently, are in an advisory capacity. They're teaming up with the October Guard, who have, as we've mentioned, got two new members to go along with uh, Dragonski and Dana. We've now got Misha and Gorky. Who, so who died? Let's just, uh, Horror Show, Colonel Brekov and... Shrage and Storm Abic. Shrage and Storm, but yeah, four, four of those uh, poor sons of <laughs> is dead. So anyway, they're off to our old favourite stomping ground, Sierra Gordo, and there, there's like obviously always revolutions going on, and they're advising the whether it's the revolutionaries or the counter-revolutionaries, but advising them against Cobras and Destro's forces. Yeah, and we'll see, we'll see how that plays out later on. Then you've got the continuation, which kind of wraps up, I think, in this particular three issues. You've got the continuation of the Millville storyline of Cobra's invasion and Spirit and Mutt 
and what they get up to, which is good stuff. And then you've also got uh, the Snake Eyes piece where Scarlet. Uh, Scarlet, Scarlet's in a coma and, you know, Storm Shadow wants to help his friend out of a funk. And at the end of this, these three issues sets him off on, on some crazy <laughs> mission. And also there's some other family members of Scarlet's which pop, crop up. So, you know, three... Very separate stories, but three very... I, I really like this stuff. Three very exciting stories uh, that hold up on their own. Yeah, totally. It's kind of... It's almost quite odd that they're all happening at the same time because there's no yeah. real relation between any of them. But I suppose that does create this thing where you're you're actually invested in all of the stories that are going on. So it's not... Um, it's not kind of random as as such as it is just like three solid storylines at once. It's quite yeah. cool. That's that's a really good point. I've never actually thought of that. That these could have just been. We could have just had the October Guard as a you know a solid three issue run of stories. And then yeah. we could have had the other one as a three issue. So yeah, I'd never really thought of that. But intermingling them, you know, what it screams to me like is he's almost like incorporated special missions now that it's finished into the uh, yeah. regular run. So yes. It's almost like he's running a special mission alongside the main story arc. And I mean, you could imagine that this would, would probably pace a little more logically if special missions were still going on to have the October Guard story in that and then the Mutton Junkyard, Snake Eyes and Scarlet storyline running either side of each other in the regular comic. Yep. That just It might even have been the case, uh, you know, he may have written ahead with some more special missions and it got canned so they he kind of rejigged it by kind of forcing it into this section itself yeah no, no, i full agree there full agree which one do you want to have a crack at first well let's start with the first issue and the fact that you're starting with uh, mutton junkyard uh, mutton junkyard and spirit so that's probably like a good place to to go from yeah great another another splash page as a first page which is now a theme for for gi joe in general they've yeah because we left them at issue 100 where they've been They've been shopped out by uh, Uncle Jeff, brainwashed Uncle Jeff. They thought they were going back to a safe haven at his house, and of course, it's uh, teeming with vipers. Yeah, so they get kind of led outside to, you know, be, you know, taken away for yeah. brainwashing. A couple of bits here, which on the first couple of pages, I like the bit where Junkyard comes running out and Mutt's like, "Go on, have a good life, go and chase some cats." <laughs> he doesn't want to drag in, Aww. you know, his, his best buddy, the dog, because he knows. Uh, about to go down and then that's kind of paralleled because at the bottom of the next page page three really nice framed piece here where they're bending down picking up guns because they've taken out a few vipers vipers are coming out of the house spirit says we make a stand here and take as many of them with us as we can so he's basically under the assumption that they're actually going to die yeah you know, he's he's imparting on us the actual peril of the situation here yeah and before i let you get any words in the panel above that is one of my favorites and i'm actually going to go through every single issue up to this point and try and put together a little composition piece of one of my favorite panels that larry harmer scripts it's the old bonk or the wonk panel where he's got a joe bashing <laughs> together two cobra's heads gung-ho does a lot of this i think roblox might do roblox well. and a few yeah and now spirits in on the act so i'm going to try and get a compilation together but i love a good wonk or a bonk <laughs> <Don't we all? laughs> i'm more of a whap kind of guy which happens yeah. at the top of the page <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a whap there as well yeah uh, get your whaps out anyway yeah then obviously they get um all the vipers that are running out onto the deck of the house or the front porch get absolutely chewed up by rat-a-tat-a-tatting coming from the his two which has got that that kid in it i forget his name now what's his well, name no, russ. Not, i don't think it's a russ kid it's russ. he's he's a veteran yeah so it's, we go, what's we funny gonna... about him i say kid because he's drawn very young looking and he's called yeah. russ the vet i just find that very very interesting yeah 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. And Mark Bright draws, you know, he's framed that panel really well because it's kind of sort of silhouetted and dark where those vipers are, you know, getting dished up big time. But his art is really, he's really coming, you know, he's been great from the start, but, you know, especially the explosions and lovely. scenes of vehicles, you know, firing their ordnance and stuff, you know, he's, he's on top, top of his game on that. Yeah, but yeah, the other, but like you you mentioned, you know, he looks a bit like a kid. Well, we do get introduced to some kids as part of this storyline, and this is where this Millville stuff kind of goes very Red Dawnish. Remember that yeah, film? Yeah, it got time. a remake, didn't it? It was, I think, it was nineteen eighties movie with yeah, yeah. Patrick. Was Patrick Swayze? Was Swayze, it? Swayze? Yeah, it was an absolute stonker. This is the emergency broadcast system. We are under attack by conventional forces of the Russian army. It is believed the lead waves were disguised as commercial charter flights. Communications have broken down other parts of the country. Large areas of the Midwest may have been overrun. And then got remade with Chris Hemsworth, I want to say. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. If you're seeing this broadcast, you are in a part of the country no longer controlled by the government of the United States. Boys, I love you both, but I want you to do what I would do and kill this piece of... And this evokes that very much so, where in that it's, you know, Soviets invading very covertly a small town in the USA as part of a larger piece. This is, you know, kind of echoes the same themes, you know, Cobra's invaded this small town and there are these, this bunch of kids or rebels who are going to be the ones to, to, to fight them off and put, you know, the monkey in the wrench and stuff and gum up the works for them. But these kids are a bit annoying, and their leader's called Spike, and <laughs> once they start their kind of rampage, they get very trigger-happy, don't they? There's scenes of them in the back of Jeeps with, like, guns and Molotov cocktails, and yeah. I'm wondering if that was a bit too much. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm just wondering how Mutt and Spirit kind of justify putting these guns in these likely teenagers' hands to help them fight this you know well they do talk about that in a sense don't they they kind of they it is like a conversation between uh mutt and spirit and kind of like well i'm sure yeah like they're, they're talking about combat and you've got like they're talking about that one guy who's got the, the thousand yard stare oh, yeah yeah raggedy muff yeah and you got the other guys enjoying it too much and um and they're kind of having that conversation of you know i, I suppose in a way it was Larry's probably done it to make a point about it, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. I think you're right there because then, like you say, they have that conversation. They say, look, these boys aren't boys anymore. Yeah, and they won't be able to go back to it, yeah. They've seen now the the horror of warfare and, you know, they may have enjoyed it at the time, but, you know, there's going to come a point where it's now psychologically scarred them more yep. than likely. PTSD. And it's it's pretty brutal. There's a bit where they drop... I thought these guys were dead at first when I was reading it. They drop a safe <laughs> full of full of junk scrap iron onto this bug and it's brutal that scene the, the bug driver thinks he's got him trapped he looks up he's all shadowed out and then this safe i thought it fell right on the canopy where he's driving it he literally just crushed a man to death but then later you see them pulling out the secto vipers mm. well i don't know how many people are in a bug is it two there's loads of people in a bug. I mean, there's only one what... usual driver, a secto okay. viper, but for you can have loads of people in that. B- yeah, actually, they they have them. They have four of them tied up there. So um, maybe they didn't kill them, but you know, the implication early on was that okay, let's just crush a man to death with a safe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all this stuff's really good, and it, they say they mention the steel mill. And it's all kind of got a sort of nineteen sort of fifties or whatever vibe, fifties sixties vibe to where uh, you know small town America and. The man has come in and taken over and uh, 
you know, it's very evocative stuff, very, you know, captures the atmosphere really well. What's interesting to me is when they try to take the, uh, the well, the next uh, spot, which is like that big mill, and when they try and kind of take it over, everyone's like, what the f*** are you doing? Like, what? why <laughs> why are you bursting in here with guns? Like, everything's fine. And then the police turn up, and they're like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and the Joes turn up, and he's, they're like, say, it's not what the f*** is going on here? And it's like this thing of like, oh no, like Cobra have obviously like found a way to... To de-zombify. Exactly, to de-zombify them and then get out so that it looks like Mutton, Junkyard and Spirit are crazy. And it works a treat because as soon as everyone's gone and Mutt and Spirit are taken into custody, they get a phone call and it's Brocker and all of a sudden they go straight back to being zombified again. And Cobra Commander's standing up there in the in the rafters again just kind of going yeah that was that worked well <laughs> yeah there's a good bit actually i'm just trying to find it. i think it's in 102 where law phones up uncle jeff oh yeah because he wants he wa- order to speak to junkyard <laughs> he wants order to speak to junkyard and there this is where they get whoever it is number worker number 257 this is page 14 in issue 102 and he has to step into the booth there's a techno viper there mm. and you see on the booth at the top top panel on the next page it's the Cobra Moodmatic machine. <laughs> and the Techno Viper, is, he's got different buttons he can press. Joined a cult, old grudge. Can't really work out what the next one says. He can patch, he can press different buttons to get the guy to answer a certain different thing. And he's, uh, he's pressed the old grudge button. And basically he's told Law to basically <laughs> off. Yeah, um, what would that be? I suppose it's W-H-I-N and then... P possibly or whinge it could be whinge couldn't it? Uh, could yes. be G-E. Yeah, I'm gonna whinge yeah we'll give it that whinge yeah yeah and the, te- the telly viper's gone let's get nasty love it <laughs> love it and then starts the kissing co- him no kidding yeah, yeah that's uh, that's really cool oh, you nasty boy <laughs> so yeah I mean that's a really cool and then you get Cobra Commander I think and then it's obviously back to 103 where like you mentioned Hawk's basically gone off he, he's cuffed he said to the guys law and order cuff mutton spirit and take him away you know and that's when they've done all the brockers like you mentioned then Cobra Command, Commander gets a very la- a last panel of this now Millville can serve as Cobra's manufacturing base almost in the open with no one the wiser now I ask you could anyone but the original Cobra Commander come up with something so sweetly insidious Brilliant. I hope he's talking to himself there I hope there's nobody I hope even his Crimson Guard aren't like yeah there's a couple of CGs behind him but I think they've already gone off for their tea break so I <laughs> well, think he is just talking yeah, to I'm himself on. yeah amazing <laughs> so uh, yeah that that's the kind of millville stuff and i really enjoyed all that really enjoyed all that yeah it's cool uh and you're right it does have a, a red dawn vibe massively yeah really. i'm surprised good. we didn't mention that in the previous episode when they yeah, start well, invading yeah i think yeah you, you're right but i think it more it does come in because especially when they find the kids they find those yeah it's the rebels the kids who want to rebel back. yeah the fight back and they mention the steel mill and all that kind of stuff but um Cool, good stuff. Let's move on to the second arc here. Let's move on to the October Guard one. Cool. Yep, so they, they turn up in their massive, uh, was it the C5A Galaxy? That's it. I oh, know they're, they're saying they're, they're not sure what it is, aren't they? And one of those, they, they kind of say, oh, it could be a C5A Galaxy, but then there's a, the red star that's on the back of the, the tail fin. So yep. we yep. know it's the October Guard, but they don't just yet. I want to just jump in here because the reason for this mission is something that I guess happened off-panel. Because Hawk says to them, the jugglers 
were just barely stopped from disbanding the G.I. Joe team by a presidential order. Now, the last time we saw the Jugglers was only a couple of issues back, and that it was a, it was a last-page cliffhanger because the Jugglers said, we're going to disband the G.I. Joes. Yeah. And now, basically... Oh, no, that was it. Was that if anything else went wrong or something like that? But now it seems that they've been stopped by, you know, a last-second presidential order, which happened off-panel. But, there's, you know interesting that they've kind of just uh, jugglers forget about them because they actually do crop up in the next issue but yeah um, and then yeah they've got this top secret mission so yeah sorry go on yeah, yeah no, on. that's that, that yeah that's pretty much what i was getting to but um yeah and what I, I do like about this is the fact that on the way uh in utah on the way to the rendezvous point for this pickup they're in the mobile command center which is in mobile it was actually moving at the time and they're oh, inside yeah. They're sitting actually on the fold-down beds, the medic beds that are next to that kind of screen almost that you can see okay. behind, is it Hollingsworth yeah. and uh, and Hawk? And I like the fact that you've got those little details thrown in there as like, a, you know, the in- okay. you're in... Is that accurate to the interior of the toy? Kind of. The the screen right. is the actual, the other, orientated the other way. Yeah. But you can kind of, you know, you could kind of maybe argue that they're sitting at the head of the bed against the back wall as opposed to the other way around so it could be yeah you could you could right. say that you could make that kind of work in the toy more or less but yeah it's really I've got, cool i've got a um in the comic here i've got an advert for acclaim presents double dragon the revenge a martial arts explosion nine larger than life missions outrageous martial arts moves like the cyclone spin kick the arcade smash is now playing on nes awesome must love that game so I don't think I ever played Double Dragon Two. I was a massive fan of the first one. Played both in the, yeah, in the arcade, great. but I can't remember the second one. Anyway, so yeah, they've they. Uh, I'll tell you what else you're a big fan of. Desert Fox is in this. Hell's yeah. Nobody beats GI Joe. Desert Fox. But the fox had better look out for the Cobra Stiletto. Cobra Stiletto's giving Joe the chase, then blasting its way into outer space. No skid yeah. mark though, which is uh, interesting. No skid mark. So that he's gonna wake. He's gonna wake up and gonna be like, "Where the f**k's my desert fox yeah, gone?" Right? Who's got this? They've left me with some crappy vehicle instead. What's crappy? I don't know. Coastal Defender. Yeah. This is where we get introduced to the two new members. Uh, one is Lieutenant Gorky. He is the from the Black Sea Regiment of the Naval Infantry, and you've got Misha, who is I think slightly racist, and he is of the Spetsnaz. Yes. I agree on both those things. Yeah, because he later on when they meet the Turakos, who are the uh, natives, uh, does doesn't he say something like, "Your leader must be an educated man, a white man." Yeah, he uh, does. But but anyway, um, interesting here. They're on this aircraft. What, what was it again? I can't remember what it was. Whatever. It's, the, this... Well, it's not the Galaxy. I don't think because no, they they, 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 miss... they do name it. I oh, hear it is an AN twenty four Condor. Ah, that's it. Yeah, um, and they mention here that. Because there's not just the four the four Joes. You've got Roadblock, Muskrat, Lady J, and Flint, uh, and then you've got the four October Guard. But there's also some crew or hand cargo handlers and pilots, and all of those guys. It's nice that they mention them that, and that the Joes just aren't flying or they haven't got Wild Bill or anything flying because they say the cargo handlers parachuted out over Nicaragua. Yeah, because they didn't want to be liable to Sierra Gordo, and then the pilots actually both end up getting killed, which I thought was pretty brutal. Mm. And they didn't really need Larry didn't really need to write that in, but you know he did, and it's adding to the you know we're never going to say GI Joe's completely realistic, but it adds to the realism, I guess. You know, yeah, because they're flying over 
Siguera Gordo and his dark clone with the Razorbacks. And basically, as soon as they're spotted, boom, 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 they are shot down. And then they take a pretty hard landing onto the uh, runway, t- like taking out all their landing gear and coming to a, a halt. Yeah. And this, they but they spin it round, which is yeah. Quite how cool. did they do that? They had no wheels. All the wheels have been smashed off, and yet they managed to spin the plane round and then get it moving in the other direction back down the runway. Well, we're back into GI Joe territory again, then, aren't we? Course, we're back. G. G. We've gone from getting people killed to uh, actually yeah. doing a handbrake <laughs> turn with no to no physics. wheels. Yeah. Well, I kind of I, I'm just going to say they just they knocked some flaps up on one side and and dropped them on the other. And then the uh, <laughs> that I, made it tilt and yeah, swing done. around. Done. I, I like to put most of G.I. Joe in the same camp as I put Star Wars Episodes 4, 5, and 6. There are no errors. Okay. Everything done. is there for a purpose. It's all per- Yeah, it's all per- on purpose and exactly yeah. right. Exactly, correct. And then they all hop out of the, uh, of the plane as it blows up and zip yep. off into the trees. Darklon notices them getting away and then they kind of give chase and then it's really all about this chase between the October Guard in the uh, British Nationalist Party and the, I'm kidding, (laughs) the BMP and the Joes in the uh, Desert Fox getting chased by basically everyone that Darklon has on his team. I do like the um, Lady J, Lieutenant Gorky kind of flirting. flirting. Yeah, I do like that. Flint doesn't. Flint hates it. Because I like Flint and he's a bit of a dick but... I like him, and he's getting knocked off massively. And you can tell he wants to, like, you know, yeah. he, Lady J's his lady or whatever, no pun intended, or pun intended, I, I guess. I like the kind of similarities between the two. Yeah, they, like the they kind of... Yeah, similar looks. Even just, even just looks, the same kind of cap and, you know, jackets, whatever. And, yeah, they're almost like the same guy competing for, for, the, for the one lady. So, yeah, that, that's pretty cool, actually. It's, he's almost... Gorky's almost like a younger, blonder... A better. Kind of young, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Flint's like, oh, he's not having this. Yeah, yeah. Great. I'm just flicking through these pages. Again, I mentioned it earlier. Great panels of Mark Bright just blowing stuff up. Yeah. Just, I think there's a razor back there. It just gets absolutely trounced. And when they jump, another... when they make that jump oh, as well, just that on is that a bit. really amazing. good kablam, that is. Yeah. That's wicked. Even the text, even the, the kablam font is yeah. done really well and and you can in. tell flint is here like he's had enough of gorky and he's just like wants to he's gone all macho man randy yeah. savage yeah and uh oh just, yeah oh yeah and he just wants to you know pull out the big guns and prove that he's like the man of the hour and he's ended up jumping this gap uh evil knievel style he wants to pull out his uh slim jim is what he wants yeah. to do yeah yeah, so obviously that that continues on into the trees, and so they get they kind of get away. But Darklon is like, no, we're going to continue this. We're going to continue chasing them, yep. uh, despite being in Takaros. I think they're called, aren't they? The Takaros um, territory. Yeah, what did I call them? Takaros. I don't know. I have no idea how to pronounce it. We'll go Takaros. But in any case, they end up kind of getting bombed to. Sh- by some condors yep. roadblock and misha end up kind of becoming like the rear gunner kind of column the two of them and they're just basically holding them off with heavy yep. fire and as we kind of get through into the ravine and everything they basically set up almost like a last man standing for those well, two men standing blockade with yep. you know and to try and keep them at bay so the other guys can get away safe and then it turns out that after they get absolutely pummeled as well by um, Darklon's forces, 
that the Flint's looking through the binoculars to see if uh, they've made it kind of thing. And then you see Roadblock, who is now blinded, carrying Misha on his back, much like the fact he was blind carrying Cobra Commander in the movie as well. We got a bargain. But play it straight or there's no doubt. I turn your eyeballs inside out. This way. Yes, I think Larry's done that on purpose, obviously. Mm. Yes. But yeah, I mean, this is just balls to the wall action here. And... This is where the the these these native guys, the Tukaros or the Takaros, uh, however we like to call them, uh, they've got they have got a leader who is MIT educated, and he's because they they mention uh, Ricondo, don't they? Because uh, that's actually one of my favourite stories. Back in I think it was issue thirty nine and forty, a walk mm-hmm. through the jungle is where they go to rescue Doctor Burkhart, and uh, Ricondo's down there and he stays down there, and you know he his name effectively gets them safe passage, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, they've now kind of escaped and we're going to see more of those guys, obviously, in the next few issues, uh, which will wrap up that Sierra Gordo stuff. Yep. Right, so the last one, I guess, is uh, what's going on with Snake Eyes, etc. So where did that ended in 100, where the Baroness had shot, or maybe that didn't happen in 199, but the Baroness had shot Scarlet. She's in a coma. Snake Eyes is obviously weeping beneath his bandages. And then there's an unexpected visitor for Scarlet, and it turns out to be her so-called sister. Yep. Now, I did not see this one coming back in the day. And at this moment in time, she's very happily gloating that she's basically going to terminate Scarlet's life support, which seems a bit harsh. They obviously didn't have a good relationship. No, no. And even when, at the end, obviously spoilers, because we're going to talk about it anyway, when Scarlet comes out of the coma two issues later, her sister looks to be almost distraught that she was going to, you know, terminate Scarlet's life support. Well, she's being told by doctors, isn't she, that, that, that Scarlet's got no chance, basically... She gets yeah. a second opinion and they say the same thing. It's only this doctor that thinks... But why was she happy about it? She looked happy when she first appeared and she was going to turn it off. I thought it was like an inheritance thing or Could've, she, yeah. there was something to gain out of it. I don't know. I think it was for effect. Right. Okay. But it has got one of my favourite lines, which is... she. Yeah, this is where she's Scarlet's come out of the coma. Uh, she's... Her sister is... I think her name's Siobhan, is it? I think. But she's going mental at the doctor you told me she was a vegetable for life you said that the chances of her waking up were a million to one and if she did she would be hopelessly brain damaged based on your learned opinion i got a court order to terminate life support for my sister my favorite line by the doctor what can i say these things happen <laughs> amazing yeah i mean it's a pretty simple storyline this one this particular run it's just that snake eyes is in is distraught about about you know not being able to get near or speak to her or hold or whatever he ends up kind of like pushing her out his sister out the way going to see her and holding her hand and all that kind of jazz storm shadow can see that there's a problem with snake eyes and it needs addressing so he takes it upon himself to do something about it we have to obviously talk about the last page of issue 102 which is where Snake Eyes goes in to see her, and he actually speaks. Oh, yeah. And he says, Scarlet. And he rips his bandages off, and last we saw him, he'd had facial reconstruction, uh, or last not last we saw him, but the last we saw his face, as it were, the Payne brothers had chucked some burning hot coals onto his face. But now we see that it potentially didn't do as much damage as we thought it did couple of lines on there from the previous scarring that's about it from the previous scarring but thoughts on him speaking 
I'm trying to find some letters from upcoming issues to see if fans wrote in and were not happy or Larry responded, but I'm struggling to find them at the moment. But well, From conversations I've had with people in the past, they've always been like a bit bent out of shape that that snake eyes was meant was allowed to to say something was allowed to talk in the comic you know they always thought that was a bit kind of out of character should we say right and yeah it's just it's it's but it you know i think it's quite powerful at the same time i think especially for what he's saying i think there's i have no i have no problem with it at all cool i i you know i can't say that i really really want snake eyes to, to say something but i think it like you said it makes it makes the scene even more powerful and it makes you know him a more powerful character as well i think you know it's yeah i i don't don't mind it at all i think it's pretty good yeah so snake eyes after that point he's in a bad way and this is where we get the cover to 103 which is where storm shadow going in his urban camo busting through a plate glass window and he has gone to see those scumbags the jugglers and they never seem juggling anything no exactly they're very bad at it i think um, and base it's 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 a very elaborate plan he's got but it's all because he tried to get an appointment and he couldn't basically they were full up he, the receptionist was like no they're busy until next tuesday so this was the only way he had to get to see them is busting in taking loads of people's weapons they always they, they actually open up a can of whoop on him and, or try to and he dodges all the guns takes the guns away and he wants to give his buddy snake eyes the most unbelievable mission it's unbelievable jeff that that they possibly can to basic to stop saying basically to basically (laughs) put him in a mindset where he stops thinking about his lady love scarlet and he just focuses on something else to get him out of his funk i love that scene where storm shadow jumps on the table and looks like a little jigging goblin (laughs) yeah Oh yeah, I know the one you mean. I see. You know it now. what I'm saying? He's yeah, got yeah, kicking. He's like almost he's, like doing that Russian dance, isn't he's he? He's throwing some papers down. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and then next next page, he's kicking papers off the table in one of them. I know that's what he an unbelievable well finish that is. It's unbelievable, Jeff. He is well mad. Maybe that's a Cyclone spin click from Double Dragon Two. It looks like a scene from Roy the Rovers. That panel, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable goal right there. It's unbelievable, Jeff. Um, <laughs> so this is then we get more interconnected GI Joe comics bullshit, where Snake Eyes is basically going to try and rescue George Strawhacker or see if George Strawhacker is still alive in Barovia. Uh, he's been there for many years, and George Strawhacker was the guy that was going to marry Snake Eye's sister. Yeah, that's some Marvel Comics bullshit there. Yeah, love but it. But it does love lead it. to a really cool scene where they're in the stealth above Eastern Europe, and yes. you see, like, you know, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes in the back. Like, Snake Eyes ready to basically do a, you know, like a, a jump out into um, into Eastern Europe. Storm Shadow gives him the Arashikagi mindset, basically turning him to an unstoppable, lethal machine. Yes, and that's when he like you see Snake Eyes kind of jump out with his with his gear and everything, and you see him like getting further and further away. Uh, and the bottom three panels, and uh, you've got Stalker and and Storm Shadow talking to each other, saying, "You've really done it now, Stormy. I sure hope you know what you're doing. It's a case of tough love. Somebody had to act, and I did it." So yeah, it was yeah. really cool. And then yeah. and then Scarlet wakes up. Yeah, yeah, as we've already mentioned. But I am really excited to get to these next three issues next week because uh, this story the, yeah. is ramping up big time, uh, and the October Guard stuff as well. So I am uh, I'm expecting to give these 
or th- this arc overall quite a high score. Like I said, we're going to mark it next week. Uh, I am going to quickly fast forward to issue 109 for the postbox to the pit letters because there is a letter that I want to read out which references this particular issue. Go for it. So this is a letter from Ryan Dumperth from 6116 Neighbour Drive, Fort Wayne, uh, is that Indiana? I-N, Indiana? Yes. Uh, 46835, so feel free to write to Ryan if you want to. We'll just go straight around his house now. You've got we'll go straight around his house because I've given his address out. But he must have put in his letter, OK to print, or whatever they request. But anyway, he says, <laughs> it's a bit long-winded, so bear with me. Is the Arashikage mindset, which Storm Shadow speaks of on page 27, panel 5, one in the same with the 10th letter the void which controls zen swordsmanship mentioned in issue 66 page 8 panel 10 my reason for asking this is based on these two statements storm shadow made the first is from issue 66 it is the clearing of the mind and soul that must be undertaken before battle the second is from issue 103 you will need the power of the arashikage mindset the ninja conditioning trance that clears the mind of all distracting personal thoughts and allows you to become a lethal machine and then larry harmer's answer is no, two different things. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to read I want to read this letter out. Oh, and I want people to write to this guy or go around his house. It is Vigel Monan and Tom Guido Flory at four two six zero Conestoga Terrace, Copley, Ohio, four four three two one. So I'm going to be in Ohio I, soon, so yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll it I'll go and you. knock these guys up, so to speak. Well, no, knock them out, because they say, Dear GI Jokers, <sighs> brace yourself. Oh, that's a we bad are, start. We are writing to you about your bad stories and your pathetically unrealistic action. What's going on here? Your stinking stories are worse than they have ever been. Such as recent issue 103, when two men destroy three very large and dangerous tanks and survive with only minor injuries. Do you morons have Alzheimer's or something? How can you simply forget about things such as Serpentor and the people trapped in the ship on Cobra Island? As we said before, the action is unrealistic. Now, Larry, tell me how someone can dodge a missile such as Storm Shadow did in issue 97. And please tell us how someone goes about catching an arrow that has been shot out of the rear of a van that must be moving at approximately 55 miles per hour. And then brackets SFX which was issue 85. Yeah, these my comics are starting, yeah, These comics are starting to look like the TV show, which is nothing to brag about. Also, please tell us what the October Guard has to do with the Joes. Why did you have to revive Scarlet? Now tell me this, La. He's called him La. <laughs> How can someone survive a gunshot in the head at point-blank range? We hope you print our letter to see other readers' reactions. Now then, let's have the reply from Larry Harmer. Whether you like the stories is wholly a matter of subjective taste. I don't mind being upbraided for actual inaccuracies, but the three main points you object to open a discussion. I personally know three people who have survived gunshot wounds to the head. There are several well-known martial arts masters who perform the arrow-catching trick before large audiences. I saw it done in Madison Square Garden 20 years ago. There was a Japanese army sergeant named Anondo who survived alone in the, Phil- in the Philippine Islands for 30 years after World War II. He taught himself to dodge rifle bullets by only making his forays for food when the sun was low enough to reflect off the copper jackets. If a bullet seemed to be moving laterally, he knew he was safe, but as soon as a bullet appeared to be motionless in the air, he knew it was coming right at him what is the difference in relative velocities between handheld launched missiles and a high power rifle bullet if you jump on my case better have done your homework nice Boom. smackdown 
drops the mic and then catches it before it's the ground because he's a yeah. ninja. There you go. So um, that's some <laughs> letters from uh, an upcoming issue and some of them relating to this one we just read. But yeah, good stuff. Uh, we will be reading and discussing 104 to 106 next pod and I am looking forward to it. So this means there's only one thing to go to next and that is Chris Talks Toys. Chris talks about toys, ho ho. Chris talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the things from the comic book and the animated show. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. Chris talks about toys. And I am eating this week that's not yes. doesn't make any sense no i am looking at the cobra fang 2 this week cobra missed my blood boil they're fighting back with that new cobra fang cobra cobra fangs a jet flying past it low and a fighting cops are out hunting for joe there's destro's razor back razor sharp and hog wild when Destro's razor back, it's Joe in sight. It rises up and starts to fight. But nobody beats G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Now look for G.I. Joe face camouflage, free in specially marked packages. Yo, Joe! I thought it popped up a couple of, a couple of them popped up in the last three issues we just looked at so yep i figured let's get this one out of the way now this is a quirky old thing i mean it's you know it's it's the second version of what is effectively the most unprotected and dangerous contraption cobra have probably ever made and yep. that's the cobra fang which is a co- kind of non like an open cockpit one man gyrocopter type helicopter deal and what the Fang 2 does is it basically just kind of uses that Osprey technology, the uh, twin prop kind of adjustable engine type maneuvers, uh, V-Stoll, uh, vertical short takeoff and landing, or this is a vertical takeoff and landing, I imagine. Now, this particular beauty, I thought this was, when I first saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I love this. As a kid, I thought this was wicked. It had such a cool little feature where you could flip those engines with a little wheel in the middle of the of the wings uh, so they so so it would like tip up so you could kind of take off and they would face forward so you could fly really really cool there's a machine gun kind of attached to the nose which you can kind of move around as well left right up and down a little bit and obviously had six red missiles that kind of kind of went on the edges of the lower kind of landing wing tips the either side of where the open cockpit is and above right above the head on the wings where where the pilot's exposed head was again dangerous as all heck didn't come with the figure it was just you know boxed uh, alone it was brought out in 1989 in the US and 1991 in the UK very similar in terms of box design um the only difference is really being that the UK version had the cobra cupra logo on it to kind of cover the European market. There was also um, this really cool effect in the background where it was going from like like a dark red colour right at the top and fading into black a little bit early on. So there's this kind of like this phase of red in the top which doesn't ha- doesn't appear on the US box. Uh, so which basically makes ours better. In any case, I was a massive fan of the, the the toy. I thought it was really cool, and again, like just bonkers. Yes, it's unsafe. Yes, it's ridiculous. But that's GI Joe, and especially Cobra. And I just thought it was a really cool upgrade to the Fang One, made even cooler. And I'll I'll send another picture of this again because it's worth it with the catalog image that shows them chasing 
the mud fighter through the ravine which i sent um uh, which yes. we posted uh for the mud fighter that yeah. we talked about in one of the last episodes so yeah this is an absolute fave of mine as a kid because i just thought it was really cool looking but yes i'm fully aware of the impracticalities of the fang and fang 2 and also kind of i think led in a in an odd way into the design of the black dragon vtol which was the 30th anniversary but also kind of renegades because it was in the renegades cartoon and that's basically uh, finally they've put like a covering over it so you've got like a cockpit that closes now and again you've got that amazing thing with the engines uh, the kind of osprey style chopper blade either side kind of wing tip things they're just amazing yeah and i kind of feel that that's taken a lot of cues from the fang 2 the uh, the black dragon and uh, fight me if you think i'm wrong yeah good stuff who would pilot those uh, out of choice well on the card art you had heat vipers right. kind of sitting in there but i think it was pretty much anybody i've seen yeah. again like it, for the time anybody's been in there i mean you look at the cartoon you look at the the deke cartoon they were in then you've got everything from you know all sorts of different troopers piloting them i would probably suggest like a gyro viper or someone like that who flies the mambas or someone along those lines you know i'll tell you who get that ice viper in there because he's also a snow serpent an eel he's a techno <laughs> viper he might as well be everything he's the best he'll be a, a fang two viper yeah, he's oh the best. another thing we should mention that we didn't talk about when we discussed it a couple of episodes ago when mutt and spirit take the his two tank you, you expect to see a track viper inside, don't you? Because that's who, they're the ones that drive the His 2. In actual fact, you get this weirdly odd coloured, it's hard to really say what it is, but it, to me it looks very much like a gyro viper in design, where you've got the almost like detailing down the arms and the side of the legs, and also the straps that, that Spirit grabs and then yanks his head into the, into the, into the side of the canopy. Like, you can definitely see are the same straps that appear on a gyro vipers costume the helmet is like almost like a mixture of a gyro vipers helmet and a vipers helmet so you've got this weird like designed character where i i get the feeling uh it was mark bright doing the art at the time i believe he probably had reference at hand of the only reference he probably had at hand was like a gyro viper and maybe a viper and maybe did some sort of like I don't know, concoction of the two to create this character that doesn't really exist. Right, yeah. But anyway, I just thought I'd mention that as a, oh, as a correction good or spot. something we didn't mention last time. Yeah. And shout out to Dave Newman, who um, did bring that up to me and is an avid listener of the show and enjoys it with his own beverage. Uh, and I think he also has chips and curry sauce at the time. <laughs> He's a winner. The man is a winner. Good stuff, as always. Uh, I always look forward to that segment because I am educated every time. Good. Right now, though, we will confuse some people with British colloquialism. Collo- I will confuse myself by not being able to say British colloquialisms, aka over egging the pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna egg it. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg it. We got a pudding. We got no criticisms. That means it's time for some British colloquialisms. What have you got for us this week, fine sir? This week, I have been mostly using bent as a nine bob note. You what, governor? Exactly. Oi, oi, oity, Yes, I um, <laughs> I've been like forcefully using these kind of yeah, terms of in the week now that I know that I have to f- 
happen naturally and your life is better for it kind of yeah this was in talking about in, in fact i think my wife completely missed this one i was it was just myself and my wife were watching a tv show okay. is your I, unfortunately i don't know your wife uh, is she american or is she english she's american she's okay. a midwestern girl gotcha hi kate how you doing she says hi she's not she, here she's she at work listen. she doesn't no, she, she does actually she's just okay. started listening and she's she her favorite parts are the ridiculous theme tunes that come up as okay well. yes of course of course <laughs> um in any case yeah so i we were watching it was some sort of like true crime type deal and one of the guys on on the show i described as bent as a nine bob note yeah. which i think i don't even think it landed i don't even think she even okay. heard me so i think she gets to the point now where she just ignores me saying things now yeah. and i'm not sure if she knows what that means but effectively there is no such thing as a nine bob note which would be no. nine pound note in our money and basically just means extremely dishonest or corrupt yeah. so he's a wrong yeah. yeah effectively a nine bob note would be counterfeit so yeah. there you go yeah. use it next week all the listeners try and use that uh, in your day-to-day lives at least once bent as a nine bob note my one is, and that's kind of, you could imagine, you know, a Cockney saying that. Uh, mine is also derived from Cockney rhyming slang. Not that that one was Cockney rhyming slang, but from the same area originated. And my mate at work, he had made his own uh, lunch and he tried to make like a quiche or something or a tart or something. And it was, it looked absolutely horrible. And I said, uh, what have you got there? And he said, oh, it's this quiche, but it's a load of pony. <laughs> pony and trap? Yeah, pony. So it's a load of pony, meaning the shortened version of it's pony and trap, which is Cockney rhyming slang for crap. Brilliant. So either you can either use it in two ways. You can either say pony, as in crap, uh, or you can say pony and trap. But there you go. Fantastic. We'll have more of those jewels and gems for our loyal listeners next week. But right now... Chief Bass Chris, a question. Chief Bass Chris, a question. What did he say? What'll he do when Chief asks Chris a question? So I'm not sure if you're a fan. I've got a backup question if you're not a fan. Okay. But I'm quite tempted to go and see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new uh, Quentin Tarantino movie with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I've heard some good things. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about it at the time because I saw uh, read an read a article that said this is Tarantino's penultimate movie. He's only going to make one more and that'll be oh, it. Right. And he's done. So he's going to stop at 10. So of his preceding eight movies, what do you think is your favourite? And uh, in, if you're a fan of Tarantino, I don't know if you are. His eight previous movies, I think, in chronological order, I don't have... I know what they are. It, Pulp Fiction, oh, Inglorious Bastards, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Volume 1, The Hateful Eight, Django Unchained, Jackie Brown, Death Proof, and what's the other one? Uh, from Dust Till Dawn, True Romance, Kill Bill Volume Two, Four Rooms, Natural Born Killers, Kill Bill Volume Volume Three, Grindhouse, yeah, Planet Terror. Ah, Terrible. so you're I, not really a fan? No, but they're like <laughs> the the ones that he's done don't incorporate those. But he, no, I think yeah, he's he, directed. I know eight. which I ones think he's, he's directed. Done. He's directed <laughs> nine, including this new one. But anyway, yeah. okay, I've I think I've only ever seen every i've seen them all but i think i've only ever seen each tarantino directed movie once mm-hmm. so um what what would you say is your <sighs> it's like like i i wouldn't say i'm a fan of his necessarily okay i i'm, I'm not like against him or anything like that i quite like some of the movies that he's done in the past you know i'm always interested if i hear that tarantino's doing a film i'm always like oh cool you know i'll probably check it out at some point i don't know if i'll rush to the cinema to watch it or anything but yep. i mean in the past i remember kind of 
being quite not I was I must have been about twelve or thirteen when um kind of like Reservoir Dogs was out. But I remember that being like really freaking amazing i probably saw that probably a bit late i was probably about 14 or 15 when i saw it but because i remember seeing i think i saw pulp fiction first i think that was the first tarantino movie i saw that was 94 i think yeah and then everything kind of before that that he'd done i think it's only reservoir dogs actually but anything anything he'd been involved in before that i was probably like um you know i hadn't bothered seeing and reservoir dogs kind of seeing that I, i was just like wow this is crazy so it's probably either between Reservoir Dogs or but then again like Kill Bill I really enjoyed Kill Bill as well both ver- version both volumes as it were um oh, that's a tough one I'm going to go with go with Reservoir Dogs okay all right there you go you answered the question so that that was your job for that segment so well done pat yourself on the back get yourself a kombucha no don't don't please don't induce vomiting yeah yeah Right, that's it. We've, we've done it. We, we got to the end. It was a good episode, I think. High energy. I think uh, everyone will enjoy this one this week, <laughs> as they always do. Next week, if you do want to do your homework, uh, we will be discussing 104, 105, 106, which wraps up these storylines, and we'll be giving them Yo-Jo's out of 10. You can find us in all the usual places, talkingjoecomics at gmail.com if you want to pop us a line, talkingjoecomics. Uh, on Instagram, Talking Joe at GI Joe Podcast on Facebook and Talking underscore Joe on the Twitter. Where can the phone fo- folks find you if they want the, to get hold? The, the phone fights can find yeah, me. Yeah, all of them at, as well. <laughs> you can find me at Diagnostic80 on Twitter and Instagram and you can find me, uh, you can find the Full Force podcast at, you know, the Full Force on Twitter, Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube pretty much everywhere oh man i'll tell you what before we just close out quickly um you posted up a link to the guy who's making the 28 millimeter like uh, war gaming figures in action force holy moly I i do a bit of gaming myself but that was like i just want someone to now produce these so i can buy them and play they're gaming great with, but, aren't they yeah like, fantastic really cool. i forget yeah, who awesome. the guy was but um check out the full force uh, podcast uh, twitter account and there'll be links there to, to go and check it out because uh if you're into gaming and action force whatever it's definitely welcome to it. uh, and with all that said and done we will catch you down the road bye <laughs>